How precious is the book divine by inspiration given. Bright as a lamp its precepts shine to guide our souls to heaven. Would you please take your copy of God's precious book divine and open its pages to the book of Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. While you're doing that, I would like to extend my thankfulness to not only Brother Owens, but also the congregation here for the invitation to be able to come and speak to you this evening on this summer series. I am very, very honored to be here and to meet brethren that I've never met and some that I met a long time ago and just cannot remember. Uh, one one uh, sister told me, she said, I remember you, I've met you, but it's been years ago since I've been here, so um, I guess I'm, ho- I'm hoping I'm not getting one of those faces like Brother Simon's that people can't seem to forget. But uh, but anyway, Matthew chapter 5. And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain, and when he was said, his disciples came unto him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Peacemakers. When we think about this word peace, we need to be reminded of some things. This word peace in the Greek is found 92 times in 86 verses. That is the word arene. The word, the English word peace is found 111 times in the New Testament in 104 verses. To say peace is important to our God is a gross misunderstatement. It is very, very important. Arene, meaning peace, tranquility, peace between one party and another. When we think about this word in particular in the book of Matthew chapter 5 and verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers. Arena poios is the Greek word. Arene, peace, poios, listen very carefully, producer. Producer, That kind of gives a different tone to it, doesn't it? A peace producer. I am blessed because I am a peace producer. But what I would like for us to do tonight is to ask the question, am I a peace producer? And what does that entail? What does that, what does that mean? When we think about Arena, this word, it means tranquility or peace. But also, I found something very interesting in the definition of this Greek word. The way, as far as peace, the Messiah's peace, the way that leads to peace or salvation. I found that very interesting. And when we think about peace, you might want to think about God. In the book of Romans chapter 15 and verse 33 we read, now the God of peace be with you all. Amen. Not only in Romans 15, 3, but also in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11. 
Philippians chapter 4 and verse 9, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23, and Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 20, we read that the God of heaven is the God of peace. So the God of heaven is the God of peace. His Son. You know, the prophecy in the book of Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6 ought to stand out in our minds. For unto us... A child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. You remember when Jesus was born? Luke chapter 2, what we read, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising him and saying, Glory to God in the highest on earth, peace and goodwill toward men. So the God of heaven is the God of peace. Our Savior is the Prince of peace. And the Holy Spirit is the author of peace. You see, Jesus sent the Holy Spirit. John chapter 14 and verse 26, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. You look at John chapter 16 and verse 13. Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. Okay, what are we getting at? Jesus was going to send the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit inspired these men to write the pages of our New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Peter, Paul, James, and Jude. And what they wrote was inspired of the Holy Spirit. What do we read in 1 Corinthians 14.33? For God is not the author of confusion, but of what? P-E-A-C-E. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace as in all churches of the saints. So when we think about peace, we think about that tranquility between God and man. We think about that peace between two parties. And with listen, folks, if the God of heaven is the God of peace, our Savior is the Prince of Peace, the Holy Spirit is the author of peace, we need to be working the works of producing peace. And that's what I want to hone in on this evening. That is producing peace. How does one produce peace? And and what are we talking about here? When we think about producing peace, you may want to think about a few things concerning the writings of the New Testament and the Gospel. You know, in the book of Romans chapter 10, beginning with verse 13, we read these words. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Did you catch it? The gospel is also called the gospel of peace. Peace. The gospel brings tranquility. When it is obeyed, after it is heard, it brings that peace between God and man. Acts chapter 10. 
Verse 34, then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth, of a truth, I, I, I know that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. How are we to be peacemakers? By preaching the gospel of peace. By bringing about peace between man, sinful man, and his God. How are we to do that? We're going to look at four points this evening on how I can be a peacemaker. Because the word blessed simply means what? Happy. Happy am I because I am a peace producer. I am blessed. I am happy because I am bringing people to the Christ and making peace between God and man. Look at Romans 5 and verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, making peace with God. Making peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. How can I be a peacemaker? Number one, number one, by having concern for the souls of others. Now, all of our points are going to begin with the letter C this evening, okay? By having concern. Open your Bibles, if you will, to the book of Matthew chapter 9. Matthew 9, and we're going to look at, at the concern of our great example, Jesus Christ. And in Matthew chapter 9, beginning about verse 35, we read, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And healing all every sickness or all sickness and every disease among the people. But when he, that is when Jesus saw the multitudes, he had compassion on them. Because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. We need to have the same kind of concern for our fellow man. We need to have the same love for our fellow men's souls as Jesus Christ did. Friends, they are as sheep having no shepherd. They are scattered abroad. They are faint in this world. They are without hope, without Christ, living in sin. Do you know a co-worker? Do you know maybe a man that you're working with that does not love his wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it? That man is wandering aimlessly in sin. Do you know a woman who is not subject to her husband as the church is subject to Christ and she is not being an example to her children? She is wandering aimlessly in sin. Do you know a child, a young man or a young woman in their youth that is not being raised right and they do not realize that they need to obey their parents in the Lord, for this is right. They need to honor their father and their mother, which is the first commandment with promise. They are as sheep scattered abroad. We need to be loving them, sharing with them the gospel of Jesus Christ, thereby bringing peace between them and their maker. What are you doing? What am I doing? Are we inviting people to the summer series? 
Are we inviting people on Sunday mornings? Are we going door knocking? You know, that is almost unheard of. It is. Don't get me wrong, it can be scary. Don't get me wrong, some people will have the idea that they're going to ask me a question I just do not know the answer to. You know what? You go out by twos and you take someone, maybe that's not so afraid to sit down and have it. But you get into the practice of knocking doors, handing out flyers, handing out house to house, heart to heart. Friends, it works. One of my very best friends, Dennis Morris, was converted by a door knocking campaign. They handed him a little New Testament put out by Star Publications. You may remember those. I don't know what the cover was made out of, but those things still last today. They're vinyl. And, And it was marked, if you want to know what you have to do in order to be saved, you turn to this page. You turn to this scripture. Then you turn to this scripture. Dennis obeyed the gospel. And guess what? His son is also a gospel preacher. In the team. Don't tell me door knocking does not work. Too many examples. Brother Rob Whitaker can tell you of many examples of door knocking going right instead of going wrong. We need to have concern for our co-workers. We need to have concern, young people, for our school friends. And say, hey, we have a youth night. We have vacation Bible school. We have a gospel meeting. Won't you come? Won't you come and, and, and listen to the men? Can I set up a Bible study with you? Don't be afraid. Swiftly we're turning life's daily pages. Swiftly the hours are changing to years. How shall we use God's golden moments? Shall we reap glory or shall we reap tears? Millions are groping without the gospel. Quickly they'll reach eternity's night. Shall we sit idly while they rush onward? Haste, let us hold up Christ, the true light. Souls that are precious, souls that are dying, while we rejoice, our sins are forgiven. Did he not also die for these lost ones? Then let us point the way unto heaven. Into our hands the gospel is given. Into our hands is given the light. Haste, let us carry God's precious message, guiding the erring back to the right. We need to have concern, and if we're going to be peacemakers, that is, peace producers, we have to have com, uh, concern, concern, and show sympathy, and show what Jesus had here toward the multitude, compassion. There was an S-4... Naval submarine, December 17th, 1927, that collided, that collided with a cutter. And it sank 100 feet to the ocean floor. Forty men were on board. Six men made it to a room, torpedo room. They, they tightened up those, those airtight doors and six men were in there. They probably could have gotten them out alive, but for about two or three days there was a storm above level. The divers couldn't quite get to them, but but then finally the divers got to them. And you know what the divers heard? They, the divers pecked uh, on their Morse code on the hull of that submarine. Those six men had a hammer. They were pecking back in Morse code. Are you okay? Air is bad. Running out of air. Not going to make it much longer. Back and forth they went. And finally the question came from inside that submarine. Is there any hope? 
Is there any hope? The last message those six men tapped in Morse code was, I understand. There are many people that are walking around in this world, many people that you work with, many people that are your neighbors, many people that are your school friends. And spiritually speaking, they may be screaming out, is there any hope? Is there any hope that I can straighten out my life? Is there any hope that my home life will be better? Is there any hope that I can take a hold of my life and get it right? You may be the link. Do you love them enough? We, number one, if we're going to be a peace producer, must have concern and compassion on others about us. Number two, if we're going to be peace producers, we need to realize that the commission of our Lord is for everyone. Did you hear me? The commission of our Lord is for A-L-L. In the book of Matthew chapter 28 and verse 18, Jesus says, All power, that is all authority, hath been given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. You look in Mark 16, verse 15 and 16. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Somebody says, oh, yes, I love the Great Commission. You know, Brother Keith, we have hired a zealous young preacher. Oh, he has so much energy. We are sending him out to do all of the door knocking. <clears throat> we are sending him out, and he is setting up all of these. We expect great things from this young man. We have given him a list of the roads and the map to go around and to do this door knocking. Ah, we expect, we hope, and we pray that he will grow this church. Enough! Brethren, listen to me. Go ye means go me. It means go you. It means go church, not the preacher. There was one gospel preacher that told me, being on fire after he left preaching school, here's what he said. He got to the congregation. He began to work. He asked the men of the congregation. There was no eldership, but he asked the men, would you be willing to go on a door knocking campaign with me? Listen very carefully to what those men told him. That's what we pay you for. That's what we pay you to do. Open your Bibles to the book of Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. Beginning with verse 1, And Saul was consenting unto his death. And at that time there was a great persecution against the church. Underline the word church if you like to underline in your Bibles. Against the church which was at Jerusalem. And underline this. They were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. Underline the word they. They. The word church and the word they. Underline that. Look at verse 3. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house, hailing men and women, committed them to prison. Therefore, they, underline they, and beside that put verse 1. They that were scattered abroad went everywhere hiding because they were afraid of what Paul might do to them. Is that what it says? 
they that were scattered abroad kept going because they were in fear of persecution. Is that what it is? That's what your Bible says you need to chunk it because that's a corrupt version. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere, preaching the word. The word that they were preaching was the gospel of peace. They were preaching the word. They were going out and spreading the gospel, the good news, so that sinful man could have peace with his God, with his creator. Don't let anybody say, well, you know what, I... I believe that it's the uh, the preacher's job, friend. It is everyone's job. It is your job. It is my job. We need to go door knocking. We need to do some inviting. We need to set up some Bible studies. And we need to be teaching people. And we need to be peace producers. You want to know how you can be a peace producer? Number one, you have concern and love for the souls of others. Number two you realize the commission is for you and you be active. Be active. There are, there are so many different Bible correspondence courses. Brother Owens can tell you of some. The one I personally like and the one in the last few years that I have used more than any other is Back to the Bible by, by Brother Bobby Bates. Brother Rob Whitaker went to the congregation where Bates preached before he knew about Bobby Bates and before he knew about the Back to the Bible. And Brother Rob Whitaker said he, he went to this congregation and someone's, uh, and he was looking at the numbers. He said, if, uh, who, who's the preacher here? He said, Bobby Bates. He said, wow. He said, uh, is he uh, uh, a younger man? He said, oh, no, he's, he's way up in years, way up in years. He said, you're kidding me. He said, no. He said, and, and let me tell you something else. He said, we're growing no less than two or three month. He said, Brother Bates has this congregation on fire. And that's how Brother Rob Whitaker learned. And now you look at the Willett congregation before Brother Whitaker left and it's still going on strong from my understanding. That congregation is on fire. You know why? They have realized the commission is for everyone. The elders are even taking part. It is like a beehive in that congregation. I visited that congregation. It is like a beehive at that congregation. People constantly working and trying to be peacemakers. So number one, if we're going to be a peacemaker, we need to have concern and love for our fellow man. Number two, we need to realize the commission is for everyone. And number three, we need to contend for the faith. Jude 3, I could say Jude 1, 3, but there's no sense in it. It's Jude 3. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith. Some people have the wrong idea about peace. They believe that peace is brought about, religiously speaking, by not, by not offending anyone and instead of contending, you know what they do? They do another C. It's called compromise. Now, that's not at all what biblical peace is about. It's not about compromise. You know, when we look at what the Prince of Peace says, it's quite astonishing to me. You talk about somewhat of a contrast here, but you look at the book of Matthew chapter 10 in verse 34, beginning, open your Bibles there. I want you to, to notice what Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, said. 
And let us consider deeply about contending for the faith and earnestly doing so. In Matthew chapter 10, listen to what the Prince of Peace says in verse 34. Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. I want to pause here. Here is the Prince of Peace. The one who says to his apostles, go and preach. What were they to preach? To preach the word. Preach the gospel of peace. The gospel of the kingdom. It's all the synonymous one with another. It's all the same. And that's what that sword is. Ephesians six seventeen. It is the word of God. And friends, it is sharper than any two-edged sword. Acts chapter 4, verse 12. For the word of God is quick. That is, it is alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing. Even unto the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So you come back to, to Matthew chapter 10 and verse 34. Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. I am come to set a man at variance against his father and the daughter against her mother and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law and a man's enemies. A man's foes shall be they of his own household. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not up his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. There's going to come a time when you are trying to be a peace producer when that sword is going to cause some friction. It's going to prick some hearts. It is. But you know what? Some good may come out of it. Do you remember what happened in the book of Acts chapter 2? You look at Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 5, and Acts chapter 7, you'll see three different responses from them being pricked in the heart, pierced in the heart. Three different responses. You look at Acts chapter 2 and verse 37, that's the most favorable one. Now when they heard this, now when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? He answered them, Repent. And let each one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. They were baptized into Christ. Now, there's different responses. One time they wanted to kill the, the apostles and, and another time they stoned Stephen. You're going to have different responses. But we need to contend for the faith. Somebody in a Bible study is saying, what you're telling me is, is I have to do this. I have to get out of this sin in order to be saved. Brother Lonnie Jones, not the Lonnie Jones maybe many of you may be thinking about, but there was a Brother Lonnie Jones who preached for the Blue Ridge Congregation in Blue Ridge, Georgia. His parents attend the Eastside Church of Christ in Cleveland, Tennessee. Lonnie told me when he first started his work at Blue Ridge that he set up a Bible study with a couple. And they went through the whole Bible study and came down to the point of baptism. And the couple looked at him and said, We know now what we have to do to be saved. We, we have loved this Bible study and we are now ready to be baptized for the remission of our sins. Lonnie says, That is wonderful. But before I do that, he said, I always ask this question. Have either one of you ever been married before? Prior to this marriage now. He said, the reason I ask that is because divorce is so prevalent in our nation and in our community. And it's so widespread, I, I have to ask him. They said, oh, yeah. Yeah, well, she has been married before. I have not, but, but she has. 
And and Lonnie said, Let, let's look at Matthew 19, and I want you to read that to me. So they read Matthew chapter 19, verses 8 and 9, and, and the man looked at Lonnie. He said, so from what I understand here and, and what you're telling me is that in order for us to repent, we would have to get a divorce because we're unscripturally married. Is that what you're telling me? He said, that's not what I'm telling you. That's what God's word just told you when you read it. That man said, this Bible study's over. They got up and they walked out. Now somebody says, why in the world would he do that? Why wouldn't he just baptize the couple and, and have their sins washed away? Because repentance precedes baptism. And it doesn't wash friends. They had to do that. They had to be divorced before they could be right with God. That's the sword. But yet, I have seen two couples in this last year one in McCaseville and another a family member of mine that was living in the sin of adultery. Lived in adultery, both couples, no less than 15 years, one for 20 plus. They got a divorce. You see, that sword sometimes brings about that what? Peace that people need. Let us contend for the faith. Let, let's, let us not compromise. If we're going to be true peace producers, we are going to have to contend for the faith. Lastly, if we are going to be true peace producers, we are going to have to have confidence in the power of the Word of God. Friends, do you believe, can you honestly believe that that is lacking even in our brotherhood? That the power of the Word of God is just as powerful now as it was 2,000 years ago when it was penned and completed? People have forgotten the power of the Word of God. You think about the word power for, for just a moment. This, this word power in man's, in man's mind, he may think of cars and, and all the horsepower that is under that, in, uh, under that hood and, and in that engine. He may think of, of firepower. You know, black powder was invented in the ninth century. Not only that, it was invented for medicinal purposes. In about 1,000, it was used for the first time in warfare. And since that time, there have been great weapons that were, that were manufactured and used using black powder. You look at all the lives that it caused during the, during the Revolutionary War, the Civil War, and, and even today. And then you think not only of this black power, but you... Powder, you think about also hydrogen power. August 6th and August 9th, there were two bombs dropped in 1945 and, and to, to end World War II. Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Hiroshima, that bomb was dropped and it leveled five square miles, killing, when all was said and done, some 150 to 180,000 people. They're not certain on the number. Nagasaki, August 9th. Once again, that bomb was dropped, exploded over that city. Five square miles, about seventy to 80,000 lives when all was said and done. That's a lot of power. But you know what? We have weapons today that are called weapons of what? Mass destruction. It would make those hydrogen weapons look small. Some of them very in, insignificant. As a matter of fact, if these weapons of mass destruction were used, why, it would level 
cities and counties and parts of states power. Open your Bibles, if you will, to the book of Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was, was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Look at verse 6. And God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters. And let it divide the waters from the waters. Look at verse 9. And God said, let the waters under the heaven be gathered together unto one place. And let the dry land appear. And it was so. That was verse 9. Look at verse 11. And God said... Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself. And it was so. Look at verse 14. And God said, Let there be light in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. Look at verse 20. And God said, Let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that hath life and fowl that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of the heaven. Look at verse 24. And God said, Let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind, cattle and creeping thing, and beast of the earth after his kind. And it was so. Verse 26. And God said, Let us... Make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Keith, I thought we were talking about power. Friends, listen to me. If you combined all of the power from the time that black powder was invented, and you could collect all of that black powder, all of the hydrogen weapons that were ever created, and all of the weapons of mass destruction into one big weapon, it would not amount to one grain of sand in the depths of the ocean compared to those three words we have just witnessed in the book of Genesis chapter 1. And God said, Psalm 33 and verse 6, By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of His mouth. Look at verse 9. For he spake, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. You'll never see power like that. There is power in the Word of God. Number one, it has the power to convince. It has the power to convince the gainsayer. It has the power to convince the atheist. Romans chapter 10 and verse 17. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. It has the power not only to convince, but it also has the power to convict. We've already looked, haven't we, Brother Owens, at the book of Acts chapter 2, about verse 36 and 37. Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts. They knew that they had done wrong. They knew that they had put the only begotten Son of God to death. And they had heard it. They believed it. And what have I got to do now to be right? What have I got to do to be saved? They were convicted. But then it also has the power to convert. Not another book on the, on the face of this planet earth has the power to convert a soul other than God's word. First Corinthians chapter six, verses nine through eleven. 
Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Now listen, and such, W-E-R-E, and such were some of you, but ye are justified. But ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified. That is, justified never sinned. In the name of our Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. It has the power not only to convince, to convict, to convert, but it also has the power to continue. Many people have tried to destroy this Bible. Many people have. You know, we read in the book of 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 24 and, and 25, For all flesh is as grass, and the glory of man is the flower of grass, the grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. That, that word endureth is the Greek word meno. Here's what it means. Abide. To abide. To continue. To dwell. To, to endure. To stand. To tarry. The word of the Lord abides forever. The word of the Lord continues forever. The word of the Lord dwells forever. The word of the Lord endures forever. It stands forever. It tarries forever. Matthew chapter 25, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. It doesn't matter how many people try their very best to destroy God's word. There was a Bible study going on one time with one of our teenagers and their teacher, And the man over and over in his class, this was at a high school, and the religious, they have a a religious class at our high school. It's an elective. And one of our young men said to his teacher after class, he said, I noticed that you kept saying that the baptism was not essential to salvation. He said, can we look at some passages of Scripture? Teacher said, why, sure. He said, I don't mind. That's what this class is about. They they opened their Bibles to the book of Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. He said, would you read that to me? The teacher read it. He pulled his pen out and he marked through that. He said, that shouldn't be in there. He said, well, let's go back to to Mark 16, 16. He thought, surely he will not mark the words of the Lord out. So they read, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be down. That teacher took his pen and marked through that and said, that shouldn't be in there. Every single scripture that young man took him to, that teacher marked through with his pen and said, that should not be in there. Last eve I passed beside a blacksmith's door, and there I heard the anvil ring, the vespers chime, when looking in I saw upon the floor old hammers worn with beating years of time. How many anvils have you had, said I, to wear and batter all these hammers so? Just one, he said, then said with twinkling eye, the anvil wears the hammers out, you know. And so I thought, the anvil of God's word for ages skeptics blows have beat upon and though the sound of falling blows was heard, the anvil is unharmed. The hammers gone. God's word is still just as powerful Today, as it always has been, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, 
for it is the power, the dunamis, the dynamite, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. It may be that you're here this evening and you, in examining yourself, you think, I have not been a peace producer as I ought to be. I need to make some corrections in my life. I need to realize that I don't love my neighbor, my school friends, uh, and, and, and people around me like I ought. I don't have the concern for their soul, and I haven't had. I need to do better. I need to realize that the commission, the Lord's commission, is for me too, not, not just for our preacher. I need to realize that I need to be better at contending instead of compromising. And I need to realize that I always, always need to understand the power of the Word of God. That it never goes away. It may be that you're here this evening and for some reason or another you have not yet obeyed that gospel of peace. You know what? If you have not yet obeyed the gospel of peace, you're lost. You're wandering aimlessly. You're like one of those that are scattered abroad as sheep not having a shepherd. Don't you think that it's time that you make yourself right with God? Bringing peace. How do I do it? Romans ten seventeen. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We must, we must hear that gospel. That Jesus Christ came from heaven to earth. That he died for our sins. That, that he was buried and rose again the third day according to the scriptures. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. We must also believe what we have heard. John chapter 8 and verse 24. Jesus says, Verily I say unto you, Verily I say unto you that you shall die in your sins. For if you believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. We must repent of our sins. That's that little Greek word metaneo. It means change. Change of mind that results in a change of the way you're living your life. I no longer want to live in this sin. Now I want peace brought about between me and my God. I'm going to have to change my living. And I want to make peace. And I want to be in tranquility with my Father in heaven. Luke chapter 13 verse 3. Jesus says, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. But you know what? It doesn't just say it in 3. It says it in verse 5. What about confession? Oh, we must confess. Romans chapter 10, verse 10. With the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And then we must be baptized. Those are not my words. Those are our Lord's, Mark 16, 16. It's in order to be saved. It's in order to, to have our sins forgiven, Acts 2, 38. It's in order to have our sins washed away, Acts 22, 16. Why tarriest thou? Arise. And be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. While together we stand and sing.